When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Game night, so Mike Wells in for Carlin versus Joe today here on ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. And if you happen to get a smart speaker for the holidays this year, you got one for Christmas, unwrapped one under the tree earlier this week, you can listen to us by saying, hey, play ESPN Radio. Of course, Carlin versus Joe presented by Progressive Insurance. It starts tonight, week 17 of the NFL season, which, of course, used to be the final week of the regular season. Now it's the penultimate week. And we've got a big matchup. I'm surprised that this game somehow didn't get flexed into Sunday night football, but we do have the game happening at 1 p.m. Eastern time with a lot on the line in the AFC. Two teams that are certainly playoff bound, but two teams that are fighting for that number one seed, Ravens versus Dolphins, going to be a fun one. And Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, after doing what they did on national television on Christmas night, going on to Monday Night Football and just bullying around the San Francisco 49ers during his press conference this week. He said his team, they got to stay sharp. And how they do that, you can't start buying into the hype. Keeping a level head is the most important thing for us right now, you know, because uh, now it's, the narrative is changing. You know, it was just, you know, this team is the Ravens. We don't know about the Ravens. Now it's all oh, they're the number one team. So we're not, we're not playing no mind in that, into that. You know, I feel like that's bait. You know, that's clip bait. And like I said, we're trying to make it to February, so we're going to take take it a game at a time. I think that's a good point that he makes, Mike, in saying that nobody knows about the Ravens because I think we were taking some things that have happened in the past to the Ravens and applying it to this year's team because in terms of skill positions, like they just seem to have some of the most devastating injuries to their offensive weapons over the last handful of years, and Mark Andrews getting hurt this year is a big deal, but they're more equipped, they're more well-equipped to deal with it with some of the other weapons they have offensively. Lamar Jackson has stayed healthy, which has been incredibly important for them as well, and And after doing what they did to a team that most thought was the most dominant team in the NFL and bullying them around, the belief and the hype around the Ravens is 100% real. Listen, I love what I just heard from Lamar Jackson. And kudos to him for mentioning the word clickbaits because there's too much of that going on in journalism today uh, with people just trying to get headlines and people click on things. I I think it showed Lamar's maturity that he is not – he and the Ravens are not putting the cart before the horse. They know that just because they're, you know, on a five-game winning streak, just because they went it and and punched the San Francisco 49ers in the mouth with a two-piece and a biscuit on Monday Night Football, that they have not accomplished anything. Yes, they're in position to lock up and be the number one seed in, in the AFC come playoff time, but the reality is everybody remembers back to 2019. Lamar Jackson wins the MVP. The Ravens make the playoffs. Nothing happened except Derrick Henry went out there and ran over, through, and around the Baltimore Ravens. So the only thing they had to accomplish was individual uh, accomplishment with Lamar winning the MVP. They want they have their sights set on February. They want to win the Super Bowl. 
And I love the mindset that they're having because we've seen too many teams, too many players get too excited over a little bit of success and it gets to their heads and then they get brought back down to reality. The Ravens fly somehow under the radar more than any other team that has a quarterback that's won an MVP, a coach that's won a Super Bowl, and yet, like, for the most part of the season, we had no idea what they were. I, I don't know if it's just a lack of respecting. I don't know if it's a, in order to fully understand and grasp how good Lamar is, you have to watch him play. Because when you look at the box score from Lamar Jackson and the stat lines from Monday night, you're going, oh, okay, Lamar had a good game. But when you actually watch that game and you see the different things that he brings to the table, just the, the elusiveness that he has that everybody knows about, but again, it just, it's tough to describe unless you actually sit down and watch him. I, I wonder if that's where some of the, I don't want to call it lack of respect, but the, the way they can just kind of fly under the radar, because certainly the Bills have gotten more attention this year, the Chiefs have gotten more attention, the, the, the team they're facing on Sunday, the Dolphins have gotten plenty of attention, whereas it's... We're now finally starting to pay attention to the Ravens as they are now the number one seed. And if they win on Sunday, they will be the number one seed. And the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC will go through Baltimore. Yeah. And you, you make a mention about you You really have to watch the game, see how, how big of an impact Lamar has. It was There was a play in the first half where Lamar didn't find a there – was, there wasn't a wide receiver open. Starts to his left. Takes off running downfield to his left. Cuts back to the right and goes all the way to the far side. Gets inside the red zone of the 49ers to put Baltimore in position to put some points on the board. Things like that don't go no. You just look at the box score and say, all right, Lamar Jackson had a 31, 32-yard run. Okay, no. It's how it came about, what he was able to do. So many players, even running backs, would have been taken down a lot sooner. But instead, he's out there going PlayStation style and hitting the juke button and breaking ankles out there. Those are the little things that Lamar Jackson does that other players in the NFL can't do, and it shows his value. He and Trey Flowers, they were not on the same page early on, and then all of a sudden they had the touchdown play where it clearly looked like Flowers broke off his route, puts his hand up, Lamar spots him out there. Just little little tiny things that maybe the casual football fan didn't, don't notice but it really blows up to show how good Lamar Jackson is. This is a big game on Sunday for the narrative around both of these teams heading in because they both had big wins, and for the Ravens, probably it seems bigger for them because it was on Monday Night Football, standalone game um, on, on Christmas nights versus the Dolphins, who finally beat a team that had a winning record. They get the game-winning field goal as time expires to win over the Dallas Cowboys, but this is a way for both these teams to kind of back up and almost validate the wins that they had, for the Ravens to validate the victory that they had over what's perceived as the best team in football, for the Dolphins to be like, hey, we've actually figured this out. We can compete with anybody. We can play against anyone, even the big bad Ravens with their big bad defense, but who do you think this is a bigger game for? Baltimore or Miami on Sunday? I think the bigger game is for Miami. I think it's a, big, a bigger game for Miami. I think based because they have to be able to – the Dolphins have to prove that they can win away from South Florida. They have to prove that they can get on the road because in, in, in the postseason they may have to do that because who knows what happens. They, the Dolphins could win this weekend and then they're jockeying with the Buffalo Bills in the final week of the season in a game that means a lot. So Miami has to prove that, hey – just because we're playing on the road, we have the ability 
to be able to win away from home. Because as of now, teams that are currently in the playoffs, they have not beaten one team away from home. They, they lost at Buffalo by 28 points, got smacked by them. They lost at Philly 31-17. Those are the two teams they played on the road that, are, that will be in the playoffs. Um, they're, they're looking at being in the playoffs. So Miami is definitely a bigger game when it comes to who has more to prove. Yeah, I, I agree with that when it comes with with more to prove because Baltimore does have some more of those victories under their belt. And it seems like it's Miami because Baltimore has built a little bit of a buffer between them and Cleveland. As good as Cleveland has been right now, it's still a two-game buffer that they've built. Miami has a two-game buffer over uh, over Buffalo right now. But if the Bills close out and the Bills win on Sunday, suddenly that game, Bills versus Dolphins in Week 18, is for the division and so I, I'm with you. I think this game's bigger for the Dolphins because they want to have that home game. They want to show, yes, we are here to stay versus you lose this game. And suddenly with the game against the Bills looming, you might not even win the AFC East. That's how important this game is. Yeah. So who do you think wins the game? I think it's Baltimore. Yeah. I was just so, I was so impressed by the defense, and I knew it was good, but at the same time, they were coming off of a game where they needed a punt return for a touchdown in overtime to beat the Rams. And to be able to bounce back and show that they can be just as big of a bully as the San Francisco 49ers can defensively and just run around and be able to make the plays that they did, I, I, I really am believing in this Baltimore Ravens team, and I think that they're just you know a little bit half a click better than what the Miami Dolphins are. Because the Dolphins, I'm curious to see how they can handle that physicality. Because the Dolphins are more of a finesse speed team, and maybe they end up running around the the, the Ravens. But also with Tyreek Hill and Jaden you know, Waddle dealing with some injuries, like if they're not 100%, teams with speed and speedy guys like that, typically you need them to be as close to 100% as possible to have that speed make the biggest difference possible. I'm leaning towards Ravens in this one. You? Yeah, I'm definitely going. I'm going Ravens. And as impressive as Lamar was on um, on uh, Monday night, I, I was even more impressed with Baltimore's defense. I mean, especially in particular Kyle Hamilton. I mean, two interceptions of Brock Purdy and what the Ravens did against an offense that is so tough to defend because they run. They have so much motion, guys moving, so many moving pieces, so many different ways that San Francisco can beat you offensively. And the Ravens made the 49ers offense look just normal, below average, nothing special out there. So I just think now they get it two weeks in a row of a you know an offense that has a lot of motion when they get to face the Dolphins this weekend, and I think they'll be prepared for it. If the main event this weekend is Ravens-Dolphins, which it is, undercard still isn't too bad either because there's a potential playoff preview happening over in the NFC. We dive into that coming up next. I'm Gabe Nudge, along with Mike Wells, as we're in on Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not 
cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Every week, someone in the NFL says something that leaves us scratching our heads. And it's usually Jerry Jones. I have to believe one and one is three. I can't operate where one and one is two. This is Jerry's world, and we're just living in it. Yeah, once again, it is Jerry Jones who says that thing that we're all scratching our heads at, trying to figure out. Here on Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, along with Mike Wells. I'm Gabe Nigel, filling in for the guys today. And you can be a part of the Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste that I school Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Well, Jerry Jones back at it again, Mike. Because he's trying to defend where his team is right now and, you know, try to make sure everybody's not panicking and everything's all right after losing back-to-back games to the Bills and Dolphins and now have another tough game coming up against the Detroit Lions. But on 105.3, the fan this week, Jerry Jones, Cowboys owner and general manager, said he would not trade the position his team is in right now. I wouldn't trade. I really wouldn't, uh, reasonably. Uh, and an either are being being uh, trying to be as realistic as I could. Uh, I wouldn't trade our position uh, for a better one today. Uh, and it has everything to do with how healthy we are at key spots. What? You would not trade where you are today, right now, a wild card team that would have to, as it stands right now, go on the road for every single ro- playoff game that you're going to ha- be in. You wouldn't trade that. Your team stinks on the road. They can't do anything on the road. Like 39 and th- 39 point, 39.9 points is what you average at home. You average almost half that on the road. It's around 21 points per game on the road. What do you mean you wouldn't trade any? Like, maybe you wouldn't. You, you, if you said that two weeks ago, I'd believe him. If you had said that two weeks ago before the two-game losing streak when they seemingly were in the driver's seat for the NFC East, potential at having that number one overall seat in the NFC and having the road to the Super Bowl go through Dallas. But now that you're a wild card team and you need help in order to win the division, help I doubt is coming because the Eagles are playing the Cardinals and Giants to close things out. Like it, it looks like you are going to be a wild card team that has to play three road games in order to get back to someplace that you have not been in 30 years. You sound shocked that Jerry made a comment that left everybody, including Cowboys fans, probably scratching their head. Think about this, Jerry Jones. Think, think about it. Your team is on a two-game losing streak. You went to Buffalo, got blasted. I mean, just completely dominated by, th- by, by, by three touchdowns. 
You lose at Miami. You got a running back who gave up on a play where he should have scored a touchdown on, but he decided to coast in. You lose at Miami. Now you're playing the Detroit Lions, a team that even though they're going in with not a lot of experience in the playoffs, a team that you probably don't want to face. If you lose to the Detroit Lions this weekend – on national TV on Saturday night, those questions are going to circle back again like, okay, yes, you beat the Eagles a few weeks ago, but since then, you have lost to three straight, you know, playoff teams. You can't you can't beat and overcome the hump. So why should anybody believe in the Dallas Cowboys once the postseason starts? So, Jerry, it's okay not to say anything crazy at times. Don't say you like the position you're in. You may be you may think you, you like where you're at health wise, but from a football standpoint, there's reason to have concern. A lot of concern. Especially because this is the last time you're probably playing at AT and T Stadium. And there's nothing you can do to get rid of that narrative. Like let's say you win this week. You win by a bunch. You win by a million over the Lions on Saturday night. Good for you. Great. That's awesome. Good, you ended the losing streak. Now things are looking up. And even if you beat the Commanders the following week, it's the Commanders. They've decided to go with Jacoby Brissett down the stretch here, right? Like, that, that, that's a team that's basically a dead team walking. They're just playing out the stretch. They're, they're not a team that's, you know, fighting for playoff position. They're not a good team. So even if you go on the road and win in Washington, that's not going to change the narrative about how much your team stinks on the road and you're going to probably be going up against a team that's pretty red hot in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, this is this is not a good position, I think, for the Dallas Cowboys. It's not a good position for Mike McCarthy. I don't know if he's just saying this to try to take pressure off of McCarthy because you know the second the Cowboys lose a playoff game, unless it's the NFC Championship game, the first questions are going to be, is Mike McCarthy still going to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in 2024? And you know, you know what's funny about all of this game? Remember a couple weeks, it was just a couple weeks ago, everybody was riding about Dak Prescott. Don't worry about him in big games anymore. Everything is League good. MVP. Yeah, everything, you know, the the, road, the roses were, shi- you know, looking good out there. The sun was shining in. The Cowboys are that team, that team that could, you know, potentially beat the Eagles or the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. And here we are again, once again. It's like deja vu all over. <laughs> Getting ready for the postseason. Is this a year that the Cowboys can get to the Super Bowl? Can they finally get back to the Super Bowl? Since the last time I had a head full of hair, I was probably 40 pounds slimmer. Is this a year? And that's what, and God, I, I would, if, if I'm a Cowboys writer, if the Cowboys lose to the Lions on Saturday night, I am hunting, I am stalking. I'm going hardcore stalking on Jerry Jones to see what he's got to say. Say, Jerry, you still feel good about where your team's at? Well, and he's not going to be hard to find. You're not <laughs> yeah. going to have to stalk. First of all, first of all Jerry's going to see. He's going to seek the media out. Yeah, they I was about to say, like, <laughs> you're going to be looking for Jerry. Jerry's looking for you. Yeah. He's, he's got something to say, and he wants to make sure that everybody hears it. It's, I, I man, the the way the Cowboys just somehow become a circus each and every year is unbelievable. And it's they they got no one to blame but themselves, no one to blame but Jerry Jones. It's why we have this segment, Jerry's World, because he's going to say something that is you know that that's going to leave you scratching your head. And this Lions team, by the way, they certainly have flaws. It's a defense that's given up a lot of points, a lot of yards at times. While they've been able to certainly rack up because of all the different offensive weapons that they have, you know. It, 
they, they've got great wide receivers. They've got a good young tight end. Two really good running backs that they believe and trust in. And Jared Goff, for the most part this season, has played really solid. But I think it's still a team because they're the Lions, because they're a team that hasn't... <laughs> It's crazy because you have the Cowboys who are trying to get back to a Super Bowl for the first time since 1995, and you have the Detroit Lions who are trying to win a playoff game for the first time since 1992. So it's not like the Lions are a team you necessarily trust either, but it, it, it's an interesting matchup heading into you know trying to build momentum towards the postseason for both of these teams. And the Lions, oh, by the way, are somehow still alive for that number one seed in the NFC, despite wrapping up their division and despite wrapping up, they'll have that first home game ever at Ford Field in the postseason. There's a lot on the line for the Detroit Lions this weekend, too. Yeah, no, there is. And you got to think that, okay, they can't sit back and just say okay we're in the, we're in the postseason so we got we have to make we have to make things work you know we you know we we don't have to really try they they they're they're the team that they're the team that nobody wants to face, but they're also the team that can go in and essentially just get blasted because they're not used to being in this position so having i think going out and beating the cowboys this saturday on saturday this Saturday night will essentially it'll send another message to the to the NFL it's not just Philadelphia it's not just San Francisco as teams in position to um you know possibly get to the Super Bowl you have to look out for us and I love Dan Campbell I mean he came Aww. into his, his, his intro press conference and he was talking about you know the eating people and doing this chewing biting things up and stuff. yeah you know biting me I mean I, I of course I was like what in the hell did the Detroit Lions do why'd they hire him but he got those young players to buy in. He's got Jared Goff looking great out there again. I love that story. I love how things are panning out for Jared Goff for him. So it, it, it is a great story. And they're a team that, you know, quite honestly, outside of um, outside of when I was waiting on my Thanksgiving meal to get ready, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to them except for Thanksgiving Day. Now I enjoy watching them. I love what they do. They bring a lot of energy to the table. So there's so much more left to get out of the Lions, and they could take another step forward and send in a message to the rest of the NFL if they beat the Cowboys this weekend. I don't know if I've done a 180 on an NFL coach more than I've done on Dan Campbell. Because I, I enjoyed making fun of him. I enjoyed the man Campbell stuff when he was the interim for Miami, and then he goes there, he's biting kneecaps, he's on hard knocks talking about taking two shots of espresso, boom, boom, and then he's got the, <laughs> the coffee, right? Like he, He's a character, right? But he's genuine. He's himself. And he knows football. And he's gotten that team to buy in because he's genuine. And that team rallies around him. And they are a joy. They are a pleasure to watch. And this game, certainly going to be worth watching on Saturday night with the Cowboys and Lions in Dallas at AT&T Stadium. Carlin versus Joe is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you, uh, save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Week 17, NFL. It does indeed kick off tonight. We're going to tell you why all eyes should be on an NBA matchup. That's coming up next here on Carlin vs. Joe, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Series XM, Channel 80. Gabe Nigel, Mike Wells, hanging out, filling in for the guys today. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. A lot of NFL talk, understandably so. Two weeks left in the regular season, some really good matchups with playoff implications this week in Week 17. But the NBA's got some interesting matchups coming up here as well to help us break those down. We welcome in Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider, plus he's the host of the Hoop Collective Podcasts. So, Wendy, we certainly appreciate the time. And tonight we have the NBA Best Celtics hosting the NBA Worst Pistons. Celtics coming off of a big win on Christmas across the country in Los Angeles against the Lakers. There's no chance there's a letdown for the Celtics tonight against the Pistons, is there? Yeah, you didn't mention they're 14-0 at home, by the way. (laughs) They they got that going for them, too, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Well, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are questionable, but, you know, sort of an interesting thing has happened over the last 7 to 10 days is that you know, typically when when uh, one of the worst team when you play one of the worst teams, especially in a come down off one of your biggest games of the season, you expect a letdown. I mean, this is when the schedule came out. I would have circled this game as a letdown game because um, uh, you know Wellesley knows from covering the NBA that a lot of times when you come off of a long road trip, your first game at home, you're a little flat. And you know, if I had looked at this schedule in August and said, "Oh my gosh, they play Christmas Day, have a couple of days off, then play the Pistons at home," that's a classic letdown game. But over this last week or so, no team wants to be the team that you know loses and or, and has the streak end on them. That will be memorable. So, as if the Pistons needed it, teams are now gunning for them. If you watched the game the other night, the Nets played all out in that game, even down the stretch of the game. It was like the players were hunting to be the one who stuck the dagger in. And then last night, the Nets on the second night of a back-to-back basically surrendered the game against the Bucks. I mean, that that's what happened. The Nets had a back-to-back, and they chose to play their full team all out on the road against Detroit as opposed to the home game against the um, East, one of the East leaders in Milwaukee because they prioritized the Pistons game. So um, I would expect Boston, we'll see about the health of their, their stars there, but I would expect Boston not to want to let it happen to them on their home court and to approach this game with more intensity than you'd expect. You're right about that, Wendy. Uh, I remember my, day, my eight and a half years covering the Pacers. Anytime they came off that West Coast trip, I always felt like the next game back was going to be like, all right, that's the uh, get back to the Eastern time zone game, and you're not going to look like a great basketball team. And I would not want to be the team that's going to end the Detroit Pistons' you know, 27-game losing streak. With that said, outside of the obvious of them losing, why are they, why are they this bad of a basketball team? I don't have the good answer for that, uh, and neither do they. And I will say this. um, We are in an era in the NBA where if you can't compete at the three-point line, you're going to be in trouble. And they have the 
worst three-point shooting team in the league. They're, they're last in makes, they're last in attempts, and they're second to last in percentage. Um, so right out of the gate, you know, you're getting outscored at the three-point line almost 99% of the time. Secondly, they're a horrible rebounding team. I think they've been out-rebounded in nine of the last ten games. Um, and so, I mean, this is just basic basketball. If you have a team that can't shoot and a team that can't rebound, you're going to be at a deficit. So they're ne- they were never going to be a good team. But I can't explain. They do not have awful talent. I mean, they have some guys on this roster that are, are fairly good NBA players. And they're not tanking. You know, they've been compared to some other teams, like the some of the teams that they've just surpassed in this losing streak. Those teams were tanking. Um, this team is not tanking. This this draft is not that good. There's no team that is going to actively tank. The only reason I would think that you would tank this year is if you were trying to keep your pick, like if it was, you know, top lottery protected or top ten protected, like the Mavericks did last year. I don't think there'll be any tanking this year. And so they're actively trying to win with some decent NBA players. And I know this is going to sound pretty basic, but half the games are at home. I mean, even if you're a bad three-point shooting team in the NBA, you have a couple of hot nights. You see this every night in the NBA. A bad team will have a hot night, or, or, or you know, a team maybe not a bad team, but a, an underdog will have a hot night, especially on their home court, and they'll pull off the upset. You know, last night the Cavs won in Dallas without three starters. They had a hot shooting night because hot shooting nights happen, even to not that great of three-point shooting teams. And they haven't even had a hot shooting night in two months. That's what I can't explain. I can't explain why they're this bad. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider, plus he's the host of the Hoop Collective Podcast. Joining us here, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Gabe Nights and Mike Wells filling in for the guys today. Monty Williams got a giant contract from the Pistons. Obviously could not have gone worse... The the crazy thing about this too, Brian, is they were two and one. They had a winning record when this thing started. The Pistons are, are they going to blame any of this on Monty? Are they going to try to move on, or are they just kind of stuck because of the contract they gave him? Well, their owner Tom Gores gave a press conference last week, and he was asked this, and he basically said he still supports Monty and Troy Weaver, the general manager who put the team together, but he didn't go so far as to say there won't be changes. So, obviously, this investment was for more than just this year. The Pistons thought that they were going to challenge for the play-in this year, you know, try to be in 10th place, which is not, you know, that big of a of an ass to finish 10th out of 15th. Um, so they knew they weren't exactly competing. They knew that they had some more years here. I would think that they would want to stick through it. But we are in the unpredictable zone now because really um, – their schedule coming up is not simple. Um, so they they play the next two games against the Celtics. I don't know what's going to happen there. And then they play the Raptors, who is, you know, one of the bottom teams in the East, but much better than them. And if they don't win that game, you know, now you're ser- starting to look at mid-January with the Spurs. I mean, this could get into the 30s. And one thing I would say is you can never predict what happens when a billionaire gets embarrassed. So I I don't think that's what they want to do, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's off the board. That is unbelievable. You you thought Monty Williams would be 
the perfect coach for this young Piston team to get them going in the, in the right direction. And like you said, if you're a billionaire with a few mil- million, you got to cut ties with you get to fire the head coach. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of speaking of uh, rich owners, the Mavericks announced that uh, Mark, uh, Mark Cuban sell yesterday. Hey, Wendy, can you explain to all of us what Cuban's role will be with the Mavs now that the sale is complete? Well, I can tell you what he says, but I'm going to tell you something else. There's very few rules in the NBA that can't be broken or can't be bent. But one of the rules that you cannot break is that there is there is one owner per team. When I say that, I mean there is one individual who is designated as the owner, as the governor, and he or she has supreme control. Anybody can say whatever they want. The person that is designated that um, share is the is the controller in the NBA. They call him the governor. It doesn't have to always be the person that has the biggest share of the team, but the most important uh, share of any team is the quote unquote control share. And control share. He is no longer the governor of the Dallas Mavericks. So he says that he has basketball control. He says he's going to make all the basketball decisions. He says it's a great partnership. But I'm telling you, he no longer gets final say. Now, maybe that's not going to be an issue today or tomorrow. Maybe not next year. But at some point, it probably will be, because that's what happens in the NBA. Um, Eventually, the people, especially in this case, the people who pay the bills, the uh, the new owners, the uh, the Adelson family, and the control uh, party, the the governor is uh, Patrick Dumont. He is now functionally the owner of the uh, of the Mavericks. He has control. So I will sit back and watch and wait and see and wonder when the first time Patrick Dumont and Mark Cuban aren't going to agree on somebody on a decision is going to be. It may not be for years, but I promise you. It will happen at some point, and then we'll have some interesting uh, situations. Uh, Woj on Monday, just quickly here, Wendy, uh, reported on Monday that Kevin Durant already frustrated by his supporting cast in Phoenix. How patient do you think the Suns and KD are going to be with this current roster and group that they have? They have no choice. They're completely locked in. I mean, they could maybe do a little wiggle room with one or two players, but they could not functionally change this roster. And when I say that, I'm not talking about, like, practically. I'm talking about literally. They, the, 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 the way the rules are written, they functionally basically can't really trade anybody unless it's like Devin Booker. And um, in Bradley Beal has a, has a no-trade clause. Like, literally, you can't trade him. So um, they have really no choice but to be patient. And when it comes to the Suns, I understand um, that it's been a very frustrating season, although they had a nice win last night in Houston. Houston was 12-3 and at home, and they had a, a really pounded them in their building last night. Um, they haven't had the, their three stars together, like at all. Like, you can't just say, well, it's not working or whatever. Like, they literally haven't played. I think they've played 24 minutes together. So you can, like, you can take shots at them. You can say it'll never work. You can say that people are frustrated. But, you, can't, you know, you can't really fairly look at their team until the three of them play together. And I think it'll take at least 20 games once they start playing together before they have any idea. And I'm basing that on a day-to-day basis and, and basically seeing it take 20 games for them to have any feel whatsoever. So... You know, just being, you know, practical and frank and honest, 
We are a long way away from honestly being able to assess the Suns, but obviously you can say that it's been a disappointment because of the injuries so far. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. Thanks, Wendy. Have a good one, Guys, have a great rest of your week. Brian Winhorst, ESPN NBA insider, host of the Hoop Collective podcast as well, joining us here on Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid had a heated exchange on the sideline Monday, but the Chiefs tight end says there's no bad blood between him and his coach. That's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Join our conversation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Should we be concerned about the Kansas City Chiefs? We dive into that right now. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Also listen on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio. I'm Gabe Nuts, along with Mike Wells as we fill in for the guys today. And it's funny because the Chiefs are still 9-6. and six. They're still in control of their division. They are still a playoff team in the NFL. But we're, ex- we're, we're, we're used to seeing this team be the number one seed in the AFC. We're used to seeing this team not play any playoff games away from Arrowhead Stadium the way they have, and this is insane to say out loud, the last five seasons. Every playoff game they've had has been at Arrowhead, well, I guess except for the three Super Bowls in which they've participated because those are all at neutral sites. And yet, some things are not happening, and they're not happening in a good manner for the Kansas City Chiefs. And their uh, tight end, Travis Kelsey, was obviously upset on the sideline in their loss to the Raiders on Christmas Day, and Kelsey went on his podcast, the New Heights podcast, and explained uh, what exactly happened on that sideline incident with Andy Reid. He wanted to see the fire in me, and I, I reacted in a bad way. He wanted to just get the best out of me. Um, and right now, I'm just not playing my best football, and I got to lock the in and be more accountable for him, be more accountable for my teammates. I got to keep my cool, man. It's not just one guy. I, I'm. It's not just me playing like dog not just... Uh, us not being able to get the run game going. It's not just us not being on the same page passing-wise. Everybody's in this 
thing together. Everybody at some point isn't being accountable. Everybody's just got to fucking do their job. Profanity Lace Tirade there on his own <laughs> podcast, the New Heights podcast. Mike, on a scale of one to ten, one being no reason to be concerned, ten being, you know, it's a five alarm fire. Everything, you know, is going wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs. How concerned should Chiefs fans be about their team? I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a seven. I'm gonna go with a seven because I just they just don't they have not looked like themselves at all this season. You know they lose week one to Detroit, and of course I was like, all right, this is just Kansas City, the typical slow start, and then they get going later in the season, and they're that team that you do not want to face. They lose to the Lions, then they run off six straight games, but they're at their best throwing the football. Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes can't depend. He, he, there's not very many players he can depend on to throw the football to because they struggle catching the ball. If your name's not Travis Kelsey. You're having a hard time catching the football. You know, I'm going to give Rice credit, too. He's got 74 receptions and 96 targets, and he's knocking on the door, potentially having 1,000 yards. But too many drops that has frustrated Patrick Mahomes. How often have we seen in previous seasons Patrick Mahomes going off on teammates on the sideline, getting animated about things. Uh, Travis Kelsey throwing a helmet at things. He and Andy Reid getting into it. These are not the same Kansas City Chiefs that we have watched in previous seasons where they're that team that is very scary. And the fact that they've lost four four of their six losses or have been at home, that should not happen. Aiden O'Connell did not have a completion after the first quarter on Christmas afternoon. And they still beat... The Chiefs, even though the Chiefs gave up two touchdowns in, what, seven seconds or whatever, there's no – if the opposing quarterback can't throw for more than 70 yards in the game, Patrick Mahomes should not lose. I don't care if he's playing the 85 Bears defense or the 2000 Ravens defense. You should still find a way. You're good enough to be able to win. And they could not beat the Raiders with an offense that was straight boo-boo. Yeah, it, it was – it was tough to watch, certainly on Christmas Day. And Patrick Mahomes realized that the Chiefs quarterback during his press conference this week had some thoughts on the Chiefs and their struggles on offense. In order for offenses to work in this league, it takes everybody. Um, and it starts with me, um, and, then, and then it kind of goes throughout everyone else, and everybody has to be on the same page. And this last week we weren't on the same page and, and some critical moments, um, and, that, and that hurt us. Um, but... I believe in these guys, man. I mean, we work our tail off, and I know we say it every week, but, I mean, we have to get, we go out there and we're going to put whatever we can on tape. Everybody's putting everything they have um, in this game and, and the, during the week and during the game, and I, I trust these guys are going to continue to work, and uh, we got two games left to prove it. Yeah, and those two games left, home against the Bengals and then on the road in Los Angeles against the Chargers in a divisional game to end the season. And I, I guess I just come down where I'm not – I'm not that concerned about this team. Look, do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? No, but your incredible run has to come to an end at some point. Even the Patriots' great dynasty, they didn't win a Super Bowl for a decade in between there, right? Like, they won three, then it took them a while before they won the next three of of that Belichick and Brady dynasty. But as it stands right now, I mean, the Chiefs would be playing, you know, the Buffalo Bills. I think they still have an outside chance at, you know, if they win their next two games, Miami loses their next two games. They've got an opportunity to be that number two seed and have an even better spot. I think that over the next two weeks, 
this narrative can completely disappear for the Kansas City Chiefs, especially if they get to 11 wins and they have the two seed and they get potentially two home games during the postseason on their way to maybe yet another AFC championship game. I'm getting the sense that you're not like um, some of us, myself included, that you're still believing that this Chiefs team can flip a switch all of a sudden, that they can get back to being the scary team in the AFC that nobody wants to face because of that starting quarterback with the last name Mahomes, first name Patrick. I'm just I'm getting that vibe from it. Like, oh, 100%. I, I, I'm, I'm under the belief Zero that, hey, pack. not only is this offense you know, struggling, they're missing Eric Bannamy as, as the offensive coordinator. I'm, I'm under the belief that they're missing some of, some, of, some of what he brings to the table this season. And I feel like you are kind of shifted. You're on the other side. I'm not saying you're fully in saying they can get it going, but you're more of a believer than a lot of people. I am, because when you have a quarterback talent that that's special, when the postseason hits, more often than not, they start to figure it out. And that's going to be a really tough out. And I start to, to take a look around at the other teams in the AFC. All those teams have flaws as well outside of the Baltimore Ravens, which if they end up being the two or three seed, they wouldn't have to worry about it until an AFC championship game. Like Miami has struggled beating good teams, finally beat one against uh, the Cowboys this last week. Well, let's see how they do in another good test with the Ravens. The Jaguars have lost a bunch of games in a row, and they don't look like the team at the beginning of the season. The Cleveland Browns, as good as they have been, well, they've got Joe Flacco at quarterback. Is that going to turn into a pumpkin at some point? The Bills have had flaws, and then whoever ends up being the seventh seed, we're, we're talking about the Colts, Texans, Steelers, or Bengals? Like The, the AFC... I think there are teams with a lot of flaws as well. And with all those teams with those flaws, I guess I will take my opportunity. I would take my chance with Patrick Mahomes. Because, yes, my team, if I'm the Chiefs, yes, my team is absolutely flawed. We have had struggles offensively. Wide receivers can't hang on to the football. But at the end of the day, with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, with other teams that are also going through some struggles... I, I, I feel good about their chances once we hit the postseason. We're going to stay in the AFC West. Coming up next, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 